0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Chris Canty in for key. And we are joined now in studio by the man himself, Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider. Morning, Graz. Good morning, Max. Chris. So I would like to to ask... To set this off, guys, a question that has never been asked before in the history of sports media, but here on this fearless program, I think that it is appropriate uh-huh. that we are the ones who break that barrier, who, who, who who you know, enter new grounds here. What's the latest you're hearing at the owner meetings about Aaron Rodgers, Graz? Uh,
1: Aaron Rodgers to the Jets will get done it's just taking a while for the Packers and the Jets to figure out how the, the compensation package looks. And I think uh, the hang-up is really about the conditions on the, on the future pick. Like, does it rise to a certain level if, he, if they win a certain number of games, if they make it a certain distance in the playoffs, if he commits to coming back in 2024? And I think they're just ironing all that out. There's no deadline that's been missed. The Jets' off-season program starts April 17th. I think we'd be kidding ourselves to believe he's gonna be there for that anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the draft is April twenty seventh. Um and, you know, I, I think at some point to- some point in the next three weeks it'll get worked out and and he'll officially be a jet. I didn't talk to anybody on either side of this that has any doubt that it'll get done. I, I just think it's a matter of getting to the inevitable finish line.
2: Graz, one of the guys that Aaron Rodgers had on his wish list of players that he'd like the Jets to go after was OBJ. Mm-hmm. Now, a report came out over the weekend that Beckham was looking for you know a one-year proposition, fifteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. What's the market for OBJ like out there right now?
1: There, there are multiple teams that have talked to him and have, and have expressed interest. I don't know that he can get fifteen million dollars. Okay, I, mean, I, I think it's maybe you can construct something with incentives that could get it there, but. You know, there's a lot of questions about a guy that didn't play last year and is coming off two ACLs. I, I think he'll land somewhere. I think the Jets feel like his most likely destination once the Rodgers thing is settled and the Jets figure out their cap situation. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's, he's of interest to teams, and I think he will he will be on a team. If I had to guess one right now, I would be I would pick the Jets, uh, assuming the Rodgers deal goes through, which I do assume. And uh, I don't know what he'll get in terms of money. I do think it'll, if it's a one-year deal, which I, I assume it'll be a one-year sort of prove-it deal because he is coming off of a missed season, um, it'll probably be loaded with incentives based on performance, team performance, individual performance, et cetera.
2: And Grostan with the veteran receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, the, the people in Arizona would lead you to believe that they want him to be on the team, but yep. he's been... You know, rumored to be on the trade block the entire offseason. What's the latest on that front? Do we anticipate something happening leading up to the draft or on draft night?
1: I think it's going to be difficult for Arizona to move Hopkins because of his contract. Just the way it's set up, it's a it's a tough deal to acquire. It's not a Arizona doesn't get a ton of cap relief from dealing him. So I do think as the draft gets closer and maybe during the draft, uh, you might see some action on that because he is a player that. You know, is of interest to teams, and it is onerous for Arizona to carry him on the roster this year financially. And they don't know what they're going to be—new coach, new front office. They don't know when Kyler Murray is going to be able to play, coming off of his injury. So, if they're not going to contend and compete for a title, it would make sense to get something for him. But at this point, the contract has been an impediment in terms of teams' ability to go after him.
3: Dan I know ESPN NFL Insider, joining us here on Keyshawn J. Will and Max. Dan, I, I did want to ask you about the latest with Lamar Jackson. What do you think the chances are that he doesn't play for the Ravens next season?
1: Uh, well, let me ask you this. Is he playing for someone else? Because we let's say we, he doesn't play at all. If he doesn't play at all, now that's interesting. Because what are the comparisons on that? Deshaun Watson basically sat out a whole season with Houston a couple years ago, even though he was at the facility every day. Uh, there was sort of an agreement that they wouldn't play him. And then you go back to like Le'Veon Bell sitting out the whole season on the franchise tag with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, obviously it worked out better for one of those guys than the other. But I think the problem with Lamar Jackson right now is he can't get another team interested and so he may have to if that doesn't change he may have to decide whether he wants to go back to the Ravens and talk to them about the kind of deal they want to do or whether he wants to really take this all the way and sit out I've been told many times this is a unique uh, unique guy you can't apply you know traditional logic and say well it doesn't make any sense for him to sit out because he'll just be in the same exact position this time next year that's true but uh, w- we'll see. The franchise tag number, the $32.4 million, is more than he's made total in his career so far. So it's nothing to sneeze at. I-, I-, I think the odds are good that he plays for the Ravens this year when this is all said and done. But the the path back to a resolution between him and Baltimore is, is the is the part that's a little unclear to most people I talk to. It's interesting that you
2: phrase it that way with the thirty two million bucks because you're talking about a player that a lot of folks are acknowledging has an injury concern but he would play on thirty-two million dollars and potentially jeopardize two hundred million dollars on a long-term deal.
1: But it's not there. I mean, that, that that's the thing, right? Like, uh-huh. no one's offered him two hundred million. So, like, yeah. what's the? I'm just it's just comparatively yeah. speaking with the Kyler Murray contract. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, look, I, I I understand Lamar Jackson's point of view, and I agree with it in terms of what he's worth. If he's if he wants to say I'm worth more than than Deshaun Watson based on my record versus his, I. I I think he's right, but that doesn't matter if no one's going to go out there and pay it. Dan, we see
2: that the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Chargers have started with the initial contract negotiations for Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, respectively. What impact, if any, will those deals
1: this offseason have on Lamar Jackson's situation? I think in terms of the average annual salary, when you look at Herbert Burrow and Jalen Hurts, I think that all impacts Lamar Jackson and where the ultimate numbers uh, land. But I don't think that's been the issue with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in terms of the number, you know, the amount of money they want to pay him per year. I think it's about guarantees. I don't believe that Justin Herbert is going to hold the Los Angeles Chargers feet to the fire on guarantees the way Lamar Jackson has with the Ravens. I don't believe Joe Burrow is going to do that in Cincinnati, and I don't believe Jalen Hurts is going to do that in Philadelphia. So, I guess hmm. the answer to your question is probably not much, unless one of these guys decides to dig in on guarantees to an extent that we haven't seen other quarterbacks do.
2: I would be curious to see that. Athletes First represents Justin Herbert. Athletes uh-huh. First also represents Deshaun Watson. Different agents, same firm. But I wonder, Dan, yeah, but Watson
1: didn't – I'm sorry, Max, I, but Watson didn't – go out there looking for that contract. Mm-hmm. Sure. Remember, he told the Browns no, and then they came back with a deal that they thought he couldn't turn down. Like, they weren't out there insisting on full guarantees. Mm-hmm. But, Grass, so, I, guess,
3: I guess the fact is that that's Mulgetta actually came to you know, them. like building those, the, having those relationships, right? Like, Do you think ultimately the fact that there isn't representation in place from Lamar is hindering from that,
1: or do you think it's just what it is regardless of representation? I think the fact that he doesn't have an agent has has hindered his ability to get a deal done yes. Mm. And I, I mean, I don't want to say that disrespectfully. If a player wants to represent himself, and you know, I mean, good for him. He knows what he wants. He knows his value. Stick with it. But I think there are elements of the process that, if you had someone with more sort of, more sort of institutional knowledge of how these things tend to go, that that they, he might have done better with to this point. And. Mm. Um, even if it's just behind the scenes, trying to drum up the appearance of a market, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where there isn't one. So I, I do think that there are there are specific ways, and I'm not out here saying Lamar is crazy. He, he should have any, like, <laughs> Do what you want, but I do think you can objectively look at it and say there are parts of this that that could have gone better for him can, uh, if he didn't, if he hadn't decided to go this way.
0: I want I want to leave the agent, re- the representation, out of it for a second because I keep trying to come up with reasons that this is not collusion, which I suspect it is. The reason is the first time a twenty something year old in his prime superstar quarterback was available, history of the NFL we are going to move him. He went for two thirty fully guaranteed the second time crickets it 's not that he's not going it's just that there's no one who's talk. so so you know I, I think it is I think the odds are very small that it's not collusion, but that 's hard to prove, et cetera. Let me look for another thing it could be, so what you just said dan he is he is harping on the guarantee he is also a quarterback who's doesn 't matter how great his arm is, his game is heavily dependent on his legs because he 's like the greatest runner ever. Mm-hmm. They age faster than an arm, plus he 's missed parts of the last two seasons is Is it possible in looking for hey, maybe this isn 't collusion? here's a possible explanation. It's the perfect storm. He, because of what I just said, is looking for the full guarantee, and they, because of what I just said, say, no, we'll, we'll give you a big contract, but not a full guarantee? Is it? Could it be the perfect storm and possibly yeah. not collusion among the owners? It is,
1: and add in the fact that nobody likes the deal that, that Cleveland did with Deshaun Watson last year. And you can have... Effective collusion without it being sort of capital C organized, provable. Like right. I don't think there's been a meeting where everybody sat there and said, "Hey, nobody give him a guaranteed contract." But I do think all the teams understand how the other teams feel, right? Like I, I don't think you have to have a, a collusion meeting. But in a couple order, of dinners can the be, same you know, thing. exactly. Yeah. So uh, no, we're making the same point. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's a feeling around the league that what Cleveland did with Deshaun Watson was a mistake. Uh, And other teams don't want to do that. Remember, look, Atlanta Falcons, right? They were all in on Deshaun Watson last year, and now they're not in on Lamar Jackson. What gives? Well, they weren't going to give Deshaun Watson the contract Cleveland gave him, or else he'd probably be on their team. Mm -hmm. So that's not a new stance from Atlanta. It's just a year removed uh, from when it all blew up on them.
0: So maybe if Aaron Rodgers wasn't available this offseason for a pretty low price, relatively Maybe the Jets would be in on Lamar Jackson. They don't I, hire Nathaniel
1: maybe, Hackett and all this I don't stuff. know. Maybe. Maybe. maybe something still happens. Maybe... Maybe if the Colts don't get the guy they want in the draft, they become more interested in them. I mean, I, I think the draft is a key date here mm-hmm. because think about it—you got to. The offer sheet requires two first-round picks, right? If you get them,
0: but you could di- talk directly to the Ravens. You don't have to do the you offer. You Can
1: sheet. but what, let's say you. I mean, if you want to do the offer sheet, wait till after the draft. Now your two first-rounders are in 2024, 2025 instead of having one this year. So th- that things could change at that point depending on who does and doesn't get the quarterback they want in the draft. Yeah.
0: I'll just I'll go back again. 1987 on. Ray Dawson, one of the best five tool players in the league, was available. The going rate was about two and a half, three million $3 for the top players. He signed for 500000 with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, one MVP because no, no one was interested one MVP mm-hmm. and the owners had to wind up paying the players hundreds of millions of dollars because eventually they proved collusion and and the, and the red flag right the smoking gun almost was wait Andre Dawson. Went yeah. for ha- Let's see what happened. There's a reason Lamar why DeMarie Smith
2: the leader of the union had refers to the owners meetings as the annual collusion meeting.
0: <laughs> Dan Graziano handing out There's a reason. <laughs> the hot ticket with all the quarterback news hot tickets brought to you by vivid seats where you earn rewards with every purchase vivid seat rewards is your ticket to more tickets vivid seats life happens live thank you dan as always you can see dan across espn platforms on such hit shows as this just in 2 p.m eastern espn when does trash talk cross the line kjm
4: who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight? La Quinta tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. dot com.
3: J Will and Max the podcast.
6: Carson banks it in. My goodness, this
0: wizardry! Morris
1: into the paint,
0: leaning and hitting Alexis Morris, trying to take LSU to the finish line. Kim Mulkey in has orchestrated a turnaround for the ages. LSU has captured its very first national championship. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio, Chris Canty in for Keyshawn today. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So, you know, with all this talk about Angel Reese and doing the same thing basically Caitlin Caitlin Clark's been doing in terms of Celebrating or taunting or whatever you want to call it, you know who doesn't seem to have a problem with it. I mean, I'm sure she'll use it as motivation, right? Mm. Is Caitlin Clark? Yeah. Like Caitlin Clark when she's asked about it, said, "I was just trying to get to the handshake line." What was All she the credit, say, Max? Huh? What was she going to say? But the point is,
3: they got their tails. Whooped.
0: The right. The point is, she said, "All the credit to LSU, great coach, team, etc., etc." I was very, I was very, you know, essentially flattered by the fact that that you know that the coach was complimentary toward me, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, Caitlin Clark seems, to, appears to me to know, look, this is what I do. This is what's done to me when I lose. You've got to use it as motivation now. But, but a lot of people did have a problem, apparently not with Caitlin Clark when she waved her hand in front of her face, but with Angel Reese. When does trash talking cross the line, Jay?
3: For me, like if, 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 like, if you start getting, like, first of all, people pop off with the mouth to me all the time. Like, I I, that, that I could care less about <laughs> that. We're, I mean, MJ was infamous for right? Like, he would say things to you and pass and get to your face. I think like when you start crowding my space, like, if we're dead ball situations, like, I might have, I would have reacted differently if I were Caitlyn Clark. If I were, if I were Caitlin Clark. If she were following me around, I would have said something to her. I would have clapped back at her. That's who I am. Um, what
0: about when Caitlin was doing it? Do you think she ever got in people's space from what you saw?
3: I don't know. I don't. I don't I didn't go back and revisit every Caitlin Clark game. Well, do you uh, the, recall? The, the, the one, well, the one with the one with Haley uh, Van Lith. That, 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 yeah. that, that was more in passing. Like it was like you know people that kind of like uh, they'll trash talk, but they ain't really they don't really want to trash talk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, CC? It's like the trash. No, talk. I get, like, I get where you're I'm, coming I'm, from. I'm, I'm popping off at the mouth as I walk away from you. That's different than me popping off the mouth in your face.
2: Yeah, no, it, it definitely feels different. I will say this: when you're somebody that's been known to trash talk and you get on the wrong side of it, that's just a part of the game, and you got to eat that. Like if you're Caitlin Clark, you understand, you know what you represent. You understand, you know, from a monetary standpoint, you know your, your branding. You, you can't you can't let things escalate to a physical altercation in that instance. And so I I don't think there was ever a threat that there would be physical violence at the end of that game because of what Angel Reese did. I don't think that opened the door for it. I think that was Angel Reese celebrating winning a championship and rubbing it in Caitlyn Clark's face because Caitlin Clark had rubbed it into so many other opponents' faces. Right. That's just what it is. It ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, and that's what we saw in the second half of that game yesterday.
0: Yeah, although, it, again, I, I I agree with everything you guys just said. I don't think – I mean, I think Caitlin Clark knows that, guys. Yeah. I think she's like, look, I did it. It's part of the <laughs> now game. Now they're doing it to me and has to use it for motivation. That's yeah. all, I think – uh, other people are far more offended for the uh, you know honor of the game than Caitlin Clark, who knows what it is. But you know
2: why it is, Max? Because there are a lot of people that looked at Iowa as the darling of this season, the Cinderella as you would. Even though they have the best player in all of college basketball, they're looking at it as the underdog going up against the mighty juggernaut that is Don Staley in the South Carolina Gamecocks or playing against a Kim Mulkey coach team. So, so all of those different things factor in. And when you get the disappointing outcome, because you've been yeah. rooting for Iowa, throughout the entire See, tournament, you look for things to nitpick because your team it didn't a, win that game. Oh, Max, and it I, feels I, like this has manifested itself into one of those things. Yeah, it was there, the there, South there,
0: Carolina. Like Once they beat South Carolina, I think people were like, okay, now they got to win the whole thing. Yeah. South Carolina there's, was the monster. There's, a couple, of,
3: there's a, a couple of different things happening here, guys. Number one, I think a, a lot of this was addressed towards Caitlin Clark from their perspective because they're motivated to try to kick her tail to win the game. But I also think it was about addressing the bigger issue about the way the LSU feels like they were covered as opposed to the way that Caitlin Clark and Iowa were covered. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of this to me felt like it was more shots at the media than it was personal about Caitlin Clark. Mm -hmm. right? And it it goes back to what Don Staley talked about. It's if there is a certain style in which people play like Don Staley's whole thing. Like I've known Don for a long time, like the, the bar fighters and the bullies, that stuff rubbed her the wrong way, because there are other aspects of basketball where teams were physical, but they weren't labeled the same way, right? So I think when you start bleeding in all these different aspects, like I, I think ultimately that's what it was for as it relates to LSU and how they felt about the coverage mm-hmm. of what they got overall.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean and,
3: <laughs> South- and, and as a hooper, like, let's just here's why I, think, like, I give respect to Caitlin Clark. I have no problem with her talking trash. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and people, now, people at home, you guys may feel sensitive to what I'm about to say, but there are, like, Tyler Hero, prime example. Tyler Hero is a hooper, okay? Tyler Hero grew up going into all-black environments where people tried to test him. He got pushed around. Now, at the end of the day, it made him different. Well, like, Yates and I were just talking about this. Like, there were times playing AU basketball. I played on all-black AU teams. So we were playing against the all-white AU team, and I'm like... Oh, man, they're about to execute their stuff, yo. Like, but, like, there are certain things that, like, you come into games. It's up to you being on the court. Prove who you are on the court. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with me, Chris Canty. You're going to get stress test in life regardless of what color you are. Either you're going to stand up and be like, yo, I, ro- I rose to the challenge, or you don't. I think Caitlin Clark understands that. She has been stress tests most of her life. Did she respond the way she wanted to? No, not a championship game. she get it tossed back in her face? Yeah, she did. But guess what? When she comes back next year, she's going to be looking for the redemption story. You cannot tell me one player in men's or women's basketball. There's some studs coming into college basketball next year. I don't think there will be one player that will be branded the way – basketball will brand Caitlin Clark next year. And Caitlin, she will be the and- most recognizable face in basketball, in college <laughs> basketball, maybe in college sports next year. For good reason, because she's yes. so nice with this ridiculous... She's a hooper. I mean,
0: South Carolina, she I don't know it. about people talking about the barroom fighter stuff, but they dominate the glass, right? Yeah. It looked like Iowa had to work so much harder to tread water against them, in the whole game, it just felt like, man, South Carolina got this. But, yeah. And for the hardest thing in my observation of doing sports is to change the fate of like change destiny. It just looked like they were destined to lose to South Carolina because man, South Carolina too big and too good and inside. Right. And Caitlin Clark somehow figured that thing out. I think she was riding that wave and a lot of people were now you got to beat LSU. And when LSU wasn't having it and answered her and had a star on their own team, giving her back the business, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and that overlaps with gender, as you pointed out, Chris yep. Canty, mm-hmm. and race, as Don Staley has pointed out, mm-hmm. and Angel Reese has pointed out, a whole lot of stuff. Dave in Rhode Island, you're on KJM.
7: What's up, guys? How are you today? What's up, oh, Dave? Dave? Hey, uh, listen, I, I do a lot of coaching in my town where I live, and I'm okay with some of the talking that goes on, but what happened last night versus what, caitlin did was totally different i mean doing that in someone's face how can you guys be okay with showing like the youth and people so that, dave, that kind of talk is okay so
3: dave so dave let me ask you a question what would have made it yeah, better for you if she had gotten a technical foul
7: no i think if she did it after the game to her own teammates is one thing but getting in someone's face and doing no, no, that no, no, then no. i, I understand that finger, you...
3: Yeah, Dave, you made that point clear. That's some, What would have justified that reaction? Because I talked about that. I said, yeah, it, it, it did seem a little bit different than what happened with Caitlin Clark. But, like, what it's would extra. have made it okay for you? Would you have rather, like, the refs called a technical foul on her?
7: I don't think it ever would have been okay, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. What I tell my kids all the time is you show respect no matter what happens in the game. I don't care if it's to the, well, me, I coach baseball, but to umps, whether it's to the other team, so how we do you know what was the said during? How do you
3: the know team. what was said during the game, Dave?
7: That's the point. This is something that everybody just looks over Dave, you're a basketball guy. I had a team. last year that's swearing at my kids all over the field, and I know what was being said. And I told my kids the same thing: you do not say anything to the other team. You show the respect. You come out and Dave. you let your game play for it.
2: Dave, I'm not, Dave, I'm, uh, Dave listen, real Dave, quick,
0: Dave, real quick. You're saying it's a difference not in degree but in kind. We're saying it's the same kind of thing. Maybe the degree was different. Mm -hmm. You're saying no, it's not an issue of degree. That was a different kind of thing. What made it different? What made it different in kind to you? Right?
7: Huh? Either game, either uh, either of them that did it. I don't think it was right. Okay, got it. I think okay. it was wrong got it. Got, right. it, got it, Dave. Uh, that, Dave, got
0: it, We got it. We, we have to do some that's things fair. here, but Dave, I got it. You're, you don't like it when Caitlin Clark did it. You don't
3: Dave, like it. Dave definitely doesn't like Michael Jordan then. When Reese did it right, or Larry Bird. Dude, <laughs> the
2: two best trash talkers who ever lived Michael Jordan <laughs> and Larry Bird. Jay, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to respect an opponent that don't respect me. That that's just not gonna All happen. All day, I'm not going That's right. not gonna happen.
3: And by the way, Chris, I'm, I'm I'm You know why I stay in? Like, if I'm LSU, I stay and I watch that game against South Carolina because I'm looking for something to be angry at you, so I can be my yes. best when I play. Yeah, Jay, Jay likes here, to get. Angry here's the at other people. part, Jay.
2: I just won a national title too. So not only not only did I best you when you like to talk trash, but we won the chip too. All right. When does trash talking
0: cross the line? Is it when you follow someone around? is it when you do it to the darling of the tournament is it something else KJM,
5: have you ridden an electric e-bike yet you need to check out electric e-bikes today the number one selling e-bike in america two things stand out that bikers love about electric number one the majority of their models come pre-assembled so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them number two by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality
2: supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Keyshawn, J.
3: Will, and Max podcast.
2: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, we are
0: presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, this has touched a nerve, this subject. Yeah, it
2: has, man. And the other thing with this conversation, because we've kind of gone through a lot of the different odds and ends, different (laughs) tangents around what happened at the end of yesterday's game. But, But the one thing that bothers me about it is we lose sight of the fact that these are young ladies, you're talking about young twenty somethings. Where's the grace when it comes to them being excited, maybe to the point where it borderlines with taunting? And in this that goes for the men too, by the way. Yeah, but, are, but, but they're, 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 they're young, kids, they're young, you know. Kid. And, and some of the are. language they that's are. used toward them, it, 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 it's repulsive. I mean, does nil j- 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 change, change you bought, that at all for you? Though? No, it doesn't change the fact that they're kids. The kids, they're 20, uh, 21, 22 years old. Yeah, like I'm not I, calling them kids, though,
3: Chris. I'm calling them young adults.
2: Well, well, yeah, Jay, you know, Jay, NIL Jay, does no. change a little Jay, bit Jay, for Jay, me. I got to admit it. Jay, with respect, bro, I like knowing what I know now as opposed to what I did when I was of in college. Course. I was a kid, bro. Of course. I was a kid. So not knowing how to handle that situation the no, no, best, please. I can understand that. Now, when you talk about what Caitlin Clark did in the Final Four versus what uh, Angel Reese did Maybe it's the same thing by nature and from my perspective. Same, same But I think the, different I, th- degree, I yeah. think Angel turned up the temperature a little bit. She wanted to make sure that Caitlin sure. Clark saw it. And whether you like it or not, whether you think it's offensive or not, where's the grace in terms of understanding this is a young lady that's excited enthusiastic about her team winning a national championship. Where's that part? That's a,
0: I think that's a great point. I, although the reason I brought up NIL is because I always felt, especially as amateurs who are essentially being exploited by the system, that, that the way a lot of times the media dealt with college athletes was inappropriate. They were kids, and they were amateurs on top of it, etc. So the amateurism is kind of gone, in a way. But I agree, Jay, with Chris's larger point, which is, where's the grace? Even if you think that what Angel Reese did, she turned up to the, temp- the temperature to the point that it's not just an issue of degree, it's a different kind of thing by following Caitlin Clark around. Even then, she's a very young woman. Right, I get it, Jay. You feel differently, or you know?
3: Well, I I just, to me, I'm the first one that said the two were slightly different, right? Mm. And okay, I said if the refs want to call a tech, okay, call tech. Like LSU still would have won the game by 15, 20 points, right? Yeah, still national (laughs) champions. That part. It doesn't change how I see the way they played or the style in which they played uh, at all. I just, when I go back a couple of days ago. There was a, a piece of content that we as ESPN put out on Caitlin Clark called The Queen of Clapbacks. Okay? The Queen. And it literally went around and interviewed all of our different teammates about different aspects of her trash talking that they very much appreciated. And let me tell you some of the comments that it got. On social media, right? This is literally on ESPN's YouTube page. This is what women's basketball needed. I'm so happy for this. <laughs> I hope she lights up the WNBA. This is the first time I watched the WNCAA tournament so far, and it's been a lot of fun. It's competitive fire and high by Caitlin Clark. I hope she keeps this hype going for women's hoops, man. I'm not an American, so it's it's not like college basketball is something I particularly follow. But Caitlin's highlights and keep popping off at the mouth. That's what the game needs. So I hear all these people say that's what the game needs. As it relates to Caitlin Clark, all these comments, hyping it up, the queen of clapbacks. But then you have another clapback, and it's vilified. And then it's called a demeaning. She's a classless piece of, like, That's where do we lose the extremes? Was it slightly, a little bit elevated? Sure. They just won a championship. She's 20 years old. Chris Canty, yeah, she's probably a little bit overhyped, but this is a part of the game. And one is glorified, and one is demonized. And that's my problem with it. Well, you know why, though. You Uh, know why. The overwhelming majority of America,
2: you're talking about people that look like Caitlin Clark. Mm -hmm. And and Angel Reese is in the minority. And there's a double standard there. Just like there's a double standard in how we compare how male athletes behave as opposed to female athletes behave. And none of it's right. And it it takes the attention off of what it should be, which is an intense competition – between really good players, the best of the best, on the biggest stage that the game has to offer, we spend more time this morning talking about this interaction and what Angel Reese did in Caitlin Clark's face, as opposed to an awesome game and an awesome
3: tournament. Let me add, let me add but, uh, a layer. Also, Max, like Michael Jordan said, some of the nastiest yeah, sure. things of all time. Yeah, sure. All time. Uh, I it, add a a layer classless. To it, though, Jay. Tom Brady says the craziest stuff. He wasn't classless.
0: I, I, I you know? want to add a layer like of, of nuance to the conversation around this. On the one hand, I think there is something to, because it was funny when this was coming out about Caitlin Clark, before Angel Reese said anything, I thought, this is interesting. Caitlin Clark is kind of showing up, a lot of players, and people are pumping it up. And it felt to me, even at the time, it felt to me like... We're building a character. You know how we do. We like to build people up. Then we want to tear Caitlyn Clark down. Then we want to see her rise from the ashes. This goes for all athletes. It doesn't no matter. No yeah, right? yeah. So I thought, huh, people are ta- – Angel Reese was not invested in the same way. So when she does it, it's, oh, bad, especially to Caitlyn Clark. But then for the – even then, though, you have to ask yourself because race always plays a role and the role is not always easily quantifiable. Yeah. But – If Caitlin Clark were not white, would that be the initial reaction to the trash talk? Right? Would she start being built or would right away people say, hey, wait a minute, this is a red flag about this player. She might want to pull that back a little bit.
2: Yeah, Max, you know the answer to that question. And we can go chapter and verse in terms of the difference in treatment when you see white athletes versus black athletes. So I'm not surprised. Again, it's a classic example of demonization versus domestication. And people don't want to acknowledge it, but it's a harsh truth about where we're at. Can you explain what that means to the audience? Well, well it's either the athlete is going to conform to the norms that we set or we impose upon them, domestication. Domestication. And if they get outside of that, then we're going to demonize them. Clearly what Angel Reese did yesterday at the end of the game was something that was outside of the bounds that we are comfortable with, with our Female athletes, particularly our black female athletes, and that's why you see the vitriol, the venom on social media, in which some people try to attack these players with and and how they label these players. I mean, the, the, the tweets are repulsive. I, I I can't believe that you're willing to talk about a young lady in that way. And that's the part. That's the part that's so so offensive to me. And as a black man. I'm going to defend black women. That's just going. That's going to be what it is. And I got a Jay. I'm glad you called it out this morning because it doesn't happen
3: enough.
0: KJM, much more to say about this. When does trash talking cross the line?
4: Yeah, because I'm going to tell some Kobe stories, Max. Can't wait.
6: legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
3: G'shawn, J. Will, and Max, the
6: podcast. Carson banks it in. My
0: goodness, it's wizardry. Morris into the pain leaning in. Hitting Alexis Morris, trying to take LSU to the finish line. Kim Mulkey, in year two, has orchestrated a turnaround for the ages. LSU has captured its very
6: first national
0: championship. Sean, Jay Willemax, ESPN Radio. All right, Jay, that was quite a tease. You got some Kobe stories, huh? We're talking what? women's NCAA tournament and what just went down with Caitlin Clark waving her hand in front of her face to opponents, and then when Angel Reese did it to Caitlin Clark, she followed her around doing it, but you know, Caitlin Clark was praised as being so competitive and this trash talking what's the game needs, and Angel Reese has been in some quarters vilified, and obviously there are racial issues, gender issues just in terms of what's expected with men and women, whole bunch of issues converge here. But Jay, you were talking Kobe Bryant stories.
3: I was just talking max that people don't know all the time what happens in between those lines and things that are being said. Right? People see the reactions and like once again I I was not in between those lines when LSU and Iowa were playing, right? So you don't hear the chirping, but like I've heard Kobe say some things to people where I'm like, "Damn, that's <sighs> okay. Wow." Like I've heard players talk about other players' wives. I've heard players talk about other players' girlfriends. I've heard other players say things about things that have happened with other players' kids. I've heard people cross the lines in so many different ways. You would be appalled. Some of the people that you thought are so classy, that are so first first class. He's a true American. And you if you got a chance to hear dudes mic'd up, it would it would leave you like your mouth would drop to the floor. So I think sometimes that gets overlooked, but, like, what actually occurs that leads to things, and then it's like people get deemed as, like, oh, well, the reaction is what was you know, not classy about it. When, Chris, like, people don't know what happens, you know, on the O-line. People don't know no. what happens. You have no clue. <laughs> no clue. They, just, they have an observation, <laughs> in it and that's it. But we as athletes, we know sometimes when things start getting popped off the mouth, sometimes people lose their cool. But that's part of the game, man. That's why we love it. It keeps our competitive juices is going. That's why you haven't heard Caitlin Clark say anything about it. Because at the end of the day, they took an L, and yep. she had hold 30. But it, yeah. yeah, you have to hold it. You got to hold the L. Yeah. You got hey, to take yeah. it on with you Caitlin and get your it. tail right back in the gym. You
2: got to hold that L. In this sense, it's LSU. Like that, <laughs> hold that, that, that LSU. That, 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 that's yeah, why they that were holding it up. So, I mean, that that's the reality of it. As competitors, we understand that, but... As fans, I think sometimes we can prop athletes up and when they do things that disappoint or when they come up short, we want to look to blame somebody else as to why our favorite athletes come up short or we want to be critical of the people that that were able to best our athletes that we're rooting for. And so I think that that's is such that's a what's big that's what's at play with this situation. That's a huge component okay. of what we're talking about.
0: Jay, you just led me exactly where I wanted to go, those two points on top of each other. So, guys, what is said? Jay, you're talking about provoking the ultimate, the eventual response, right? Mm-hmm. And, Chris, you're talking about we're already invested in this character. Don't do that to that character. Exactly. Realize, yeah, 100%. But let me, let me use an analogy here. I, because, Jay, I think what people object to is the public showing up. Because yep. that becomes humiliating. If the contest is already decided, and you not only do a little celebration thing, but follow the defeated opponent around doing it, then it's like, hold on, you're trying to humiliate them? Mm-hmm. It's over already. You won. It's no longer gamesmanship. You don't need anymore. You won. Here's my analogy, though. My analogy is to boxing, where at, you know a fighter knocks another fighter down and maybe out, and they're over them yelling at them, right? Because yeah. they're still hyped up. Some people might not like that, right? But by the end, when it's time to hug it out, you know, now that they, they, now by knockout, whatever, and the other fighters recovered, they want to see him hug it out. What they would object to is if the winning fighter who stood over them yelling still didn't want to hug it out, right? Like, hold on, timeout. You, come on now, it's over. To me, what Angel Reese did was the equivalent of the fighters on the floor, she's hyped up, she just scored the knockout, she's barking at her, right? She's yelling at her. That's different than when it's all decided not hugging it out. That's after the game. If she went to the press conference and said, man, Caitlin Clark ain't nothing, blah, 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 blah. That's not what happened, you know? But mm-hmm. I do understand the, the difference, the reason people react viscerally differently to a public humiliation versus I'm showing you up a little bit. She did follow her around. Kept doing it. She wanted that satisfaction of Caitlin seeing it and giving her some reaction. And of course, the reason she kept doing it is Caitlin wasn't going to give her the satisfaction.
2: Yeah, but here's what I don't understand, Max. I mean, Caitlin Clark has been showing opponents up with various gestures throughout the season and throughout the tournament. So I don't understand why we have this energy for Angel Reese when Caitlin Clark, in effect, <clears throat> has been doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, you
0: do. You mentioned it. One, we're invested in Well, I understand Two, it. there's a I, racial I, component. I, I, I
2: understand you. it, but I just, I, I can't, I can't. I understand why it's happening. I but, just don't agree with it.
3: Yeah. And that's so, the part
2: like, that, 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 that makes me uncomfortable when we point out the different double standards that are at play with well, this situation.
3: it's a level of extreme, though, guys. Like, I, I'm the first person that came on here and said that I think they're different. Like, And Chris, this is where I slightly push back on your comment a little bit. Like, Kaylin does talk trash, right? But it, it's not like it went a little bit extra with with Angel Reese, right? Like following somebody when the game is pretty much over, clapping in their face, like that went a little extra. Does that deserve some criticism? Sure, I'm okay with that. That's part of the game. That happens. But when it goes to like extremism and calling somebody a classless piece of blank, when it goes to calling somebody a blinking idiot and these are these are people that are heard by millions of people that value their opinions on that when it becomes to that level I'm like, slow down here a little bit. Like, slow down. A little bit. That is extreme. A little bit? (laughs) Well, more, fine. Uh, Well, you want me to be, well, I'm I'm trying to be reasonable here, not yell and curse back at people because I get angered by it, Chris. Yeah, for sure. But also, I I don't feel like I need to respond to anger with being angered all the time. You have to respond to people who are angry by being calm. By actually talking sense to them about, do you How understand much, the level of extremism that you went to with it, where it didn't require that?
0: How much is it, because I've noticed this with, I'll go back to Larry Bird. He was the best player in the game. You, you, by the way, he was basically universally, I know now it's like Magic or Bird. There was a stretch where, especially early, middle of their careers, Berg won the MVP every year. He was considered the best player in the game, right? He actually took that over from Moses Malone. People forget that already. But yeah. at any rate, he was the best player and he was white. And there was a certain amount, it felt like, of jealousy among other players in the league. It's a predominantly black league. If he is the best player, he's a little better than this one or that one, right? Like, there are lots of... Play- and they felt like he's getting disproportionately praised and covered. And on top of that, he was giving people the business trash talking the whole time. And there were some basketball players at the time, black basketball players, who were like, oh, timeout!" out, right? And-, and felt a certain kind of way about that. How much... My Angel Reese feel like, yo, Caitlin Clark is getting disproportional coverage. We just beat her, and on top of that, she's talking trash the whole time. I'm going to give it back to her.
2: Yeah, and then you think about some of the things that Kim Mulkey said and how her team was underestimated all season because of their schedule. So, yeah, there's clearly a double standard. LSU was aware of it, and they weren't shy about letting people know about it. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, Jay,
3: Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern
5: on ESPN Radio.
6: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI